All right, Toyota, everybody. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. A workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced technology to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available technology this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales events deals when you visit buy a Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast. Uh, actually, it's a special edition of the Monday Morning Podcast, is what I should be saying. Uh, every once in a while, I'm graced with a guest, and, uh, you know, so you get an extra episode this week, all right? So that's an extra hour in your cubicle that you can actually uh, not want to kill yourself. And uh, going to get right to it. My guest this week is uh, somebody I've known, I think, for about 17 years, I was thinking. Uh, Jim Florentine. Jim Florentine. Yeah, man, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's probably been. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, we never did too many gigs together or anything like that. No. We were always, you know, you were doing your thing. I was doing mine. But well, You came up in Jersey, and I was uh, the suburbs of Boston. But I always felt like you guys... Uh, you, Norton, Voss, that whole crew, even though Voss probably started in the 70s. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you guys kind of had the same thing where you weren't in New York City. Like, we both had to, like, migrate there. Um, and I and I feel like I, when I started coming, I started coming down to New York with Patrice in, like, 94, 95, moved there in, like, 95. And um, I don't think I saw you when you had the long hair. I think you had your hair cut by then, didn't you? Yeah, well, 92, 93 is when me and Norton... Tried to start going in New York City and just, you know, what no oh, really? part of us. Yeah, and then about 94, 95. But whenever Kurt Cobain came out, like 93, late 94. When he died or when no, he came well, out? Well, no, when, when, when did uh, he, he came out? He died in like 96, though, right? No, he came out in September of 91, and then he died in April 94. And I only know that because of uh, my love of metal, and metal was over, and all of a sudden, I thought he was a douche when I first saw him when he was doing like making fun of the tap on solos and that smells like teen spirit. I knew he was making fun of metal, and I just was – I thought the guy was a dick. I'm one of the few people who admits that because everybody – I've talked about this in the podcast. People seem to like when they bring up that Nirvana album, Nevermind, everybody seems to act like, like they knew that, this, that there was going to be this total shift in music and you know there was something in the air and all that. And it was just – it took – I didn't get Nirvana until after In Utero, and then I saw him in, uh, when they did Unplugged. And right as I started to like him, uh, Kurt killed himself. Yeah. So, no, I, I think, mean, I, I didn't think really get into that album in the beginning. You know, and you know what's weird about that? It's like everyone thinks that that was the album that changed. I mean, it kind of was, but it wasn't their music specifically. It was MTV and radio decided that, that metal wasn't cool anymore. And they were going to stop playing, you know, the But how bands. do they, like, collectively, like, it is amazing that that album came out. And the second that came out... It, there was like all of a sudden all the bands I was watching weren't on MTV anymore. I remember even Madonna was bitching 
uh, she had some fucking catty little interview with Kurt Loder. And uh, he's like, yeah, you haven't made uh, too many videos off of this album. She goes, well, why should I make them? You guys don't show them anymore. You don't show my videos anymore. And, he, and uh, she kind of went right at him. And then MTV, like a bunch of pussies, started showing her videos like right after that. Like I would have been like, yeah, well, fuck you. You're old now. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But no, what happened was they, um, you know, and then Pearl Jam came about the same time. Right. They decided MTV basically decided what what was popular, and then and then every radio as soon as they started playing Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and it was the hot new video. Uh-huh. Every radio program across the country goes, okay, that's what we got to play now, and they just totally discarded the metal. So yeah, it wasn't- how does that happen though? Like, do they have like some fucking Bilderberg group of like radio stations? Like, they have like a conference. Yeah, you know, it's just one guy, like, you know, one big programmer, probably the guy from fucking Z100 in New York, right? whatever that douchebag was. And he started going, oh, you know what? Nirvana's the new or Pearl Jam. And then everybody at other radio station, what's New York playing? And L.A.'s playing this? Oh, we got to play it. And then oh. they just copy. It's just, you know, it's like the TV business. One show's successful and they'll try to put 50 more out like yeah, that. Yeah, because I remember that that was uh, overnight. And I know I'm old now, so I don't pay attention to, like, music changing Right. But that's the last time I remember was just like I thought it was going to be like Headbangers Ball and fucking you remember the the top uh what was that thing that that guy who tried to dress like a headbanger but wasn't the guy who was from like fucking Sweden remember that European guy with the blonde hair Adam he, Curry Yeah yeah no no is he not one of the was that one of the original guys No he was like the guy that wore a leather jacket he had the fluffed uh, like blonde yeah, hair Yeah Farrah Fawcett hair Yeah yeah that was Adam Curry Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. so he yeah. used to host that top 10 thing and I swear to god like the top ten was like eight metal videos, and like maybe Janet Jackson would slip in, or fucking Jody Watley. There'd be like one R and B thing, and uh, and then some like New Kids on the Block thing, or something like that. And then the rest of it was all fucking Guns and Roses, Skid Row. And I thought it was gonna be like that forever. Obviously, I mean, I was a young kid. I didn't know that music changed. I thought disco sucked. But I have to bring this up. I talked to you right right before we started this thing. Was how I was trashing a lot of the metal videos that i saw i came home one night like uh late at night and i put on like vh1 and i was astounded at how bad some of the music was that i listened to and some of the videos like there was one quiet riot one where they actually sort of rapped or did some sort of scratching before their song came on i want to say it was about russia I don't know if I'm I co- don't know that one. <laughs> it must have been later one. Yeah, no, I no, no. I combine shit, but I like I don't know. So people think I I don't know that I don't like metal. I like it, but I like I don't look at it like like with like uh, just you know with blinders on. No, no. I mean, if you look back at those videos because the VH1 Classic plays them all the time, Metal Mania. I'll play like four hours. I'm did a fucking awful. Yeah, Ronnie James Dio. You know, I love Ronnie. He was a great dude, and you know, I personally know him. But walking around with a sword and yeah. fighting <laughs> these demons, and you know, saying, "Come on, you're you're playing a metal," and he's going through the woods, and he's <laughs> dude. You remember when they were out though? When you were a kid, you thought they were sick. You're like, "Did you see the new Dio video, dude? It's fucking unreal." Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and then yeah. you know, they always, and then the other like the poisons always had the hot chick in there. The Warrens always had that. It's like, holy shit, do you see that hot man? Is she fucking hot? And right. you look back, she's like, she's not that hot. No, no, they Not were awful. All. They were awful. It's funny because we're going to have uh, Nan and Nancy, Nancy, Nancy and Ann Wilson from Hard on our show okay. in a couple of days. And me and my friend Eddie were talking how we used to jerk off to Nancy Wilson because she had the big tits and she had the cleavage. <laughs> you know, those, you know, never. Which one was that? The redhead or the yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, skinny one? Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> they always had the tits out. You know, they had to in the eighties, and I was like, that was that's what I jerked off to in eighty seven, eighty eight. 
Do you remember when the other one got real fat and they tried to shoot around it by doing like an extreme close up of her face? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they tried everything that they could. She went she was sort of like the original like fat chick from like Wilson Phillips. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? She had like the I, I don't like when people get fat and they complain about this business and the pressure to stay in shape. It's like you, you want to be on a stage and eat whatever you want. That doesn't work that way. No. You have you have to come into this business a fat fuck. Like if you come right. in that way, like hey, it's the fat fuck, then you're you're all good. But you can't become fat in this business. You, you're gonna you know you're gonna get trashed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, she was she was hot in the seventies. Yeah, she was. You know, yeah, she definitely put it on. I was I was reading a, an article on them. They were saying how the record company was so afraid to tell her she has to lose weight that she was they, the record company you know brought the band in without her and said please talk to her because we, we, we don't want to piss her off, but she has to lose weight. Right. And the band went to her and she got so fucking pissed. She left the record company at the time. I think it was Capitol. She's like, fuck them. Yeah. And she was that. wearing like, all, they used to wear all like that leather and stuff. It's yeah. not a good thing. There's been a couple people who got fat. George Thorogood got fat. Yeah. And he still wore those, those snakeskin leather pants. I went to some fucking blues festival and he was there and he came out with <laughs> these fucking things, dude. He looked like he just had a kid. <laughs> it was it was awful, and it was like one of those things where it's like, dude, you got to do something. Wear a button down and some jeans, and hit the fucking treadmill. It's just one of those. If you're like in this business, absolutely, you can't, you can't, um, you know, losing your hair or anything, you know, like that's, right. you know, I'm losing so- mine, and I'm just saying, fuck it, I'm just letting it go. Yeah, yeah, it's start. I'm starting to go in the back, and I'm just like. Uh, I can't. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to scalp the back of my head and then have that shit put in the front. I just, I, this is why I look at it. You know, if I was going to be the next Brad Pitt, it would have happened by now. I'm fucking, <laughs> you know, it's like, You're right. I'm 44 years old. What am I going to fucking be some 50 year old sex symbol? Yeah. You know, I'd rather be the, just the, uh, I, I, you know, dude, I do a podcast that told jokes. I'm, I'm good. I can, You're right. make, I can You're make my fucking rent. I don't need to go there and get my fucking face yanked back and have some pubes taken from fucking my dick and stuck <laughs> on my head. I mean, then, then the, no matter what, this business is going to be finished with me at some point. So I've kind of made a rule that I am going to try to look like a fucking human being at the end of this, um, you know, unless uh, unless they so get like the facelift down, if they get it down where you actually can still look like a human being, like right. I'm, I've been talking lately on stage. Have you seen that, that cinegenics or whatever it is, you know, like those, yep. yeah, those yeah. guys, I, I looked that shit up like those old guys who were shredded. It's fucking, they are on HGH. Hey, that's what I thought it was. You yeah. They're on, they're on, they're on fucking, that's why that guy has that tone. Like he wants to fight his kids. Right. I'm in better shape than my kids. You feel like he's getting ready to snap. So like, they say that that's like cancer causing, like the, the the HGH. So like those guys, that's this first wave of old guys. They're probably gonna fucking something bad's gonna happen in four to five years, and then they'll use them as guinea pigs. So I figure by the time we get there, it's like roids now. Like back when we were kids, roids, you know, would shrink your balls up. You got fucking titties. It was horrible, and then you fucking died. And now, but now they got that that synthetic stuff. They got the clear. They get, they just keep making it better. So. Yeah. Real quick, if they if they come up with a fucking pill for a full head of hair, or you know uh, anything, or if it just feels like your head's on fire for a minute, I would do it. But like as far as like scalping the back of my head, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I'm on the fence about that too. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's never been a sex symbol that all of a sudden at 44. No. You know, even George Clooney made it like 32 or 33, and that was like late. Yeah, he was he's, old. He's, he's he was old. already he was around for ten years doing yeah. little bit parts, and all of a sudden he got ER or whatever, and then he became a sexist. So, and plus the advantage of kind of being a mess is no one really pays attention to your aging as much as like like if if you're in that People magazine fifty most beautiful people, people always say the funny shit. They be oh my god, did you see so and so? What happened to her? What happened to him? It's like, dude, what the fuck happened to you? You think you think you're like you know under glass, not aging? So. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just I, I try to keep it as low maintenance as possible. Jeans and a t-shirt and fucking whatever. I don't even brush my hair. I don't fucking do anything. You know, I don't want makeup on when I go on TV. I don't. No, I don't want it. No, we had that go. Seriously, I go. To, I don't for what. You know what's funny? I like how we're acting like. Being a sex symbol is actually an option for us. Yeah, I know. Like we're we're going, no, we don't want that. Yeah, if we just took care of ourselves a little better. Well, speaking of – but look, when I was in late 80s, early 90s when I had long hair, Uh I took like Bon Jovi's – whatever style he had or or David Coverdale from Whitesnake and I Uh I got a lot of fucking ass. So I was almost considered a sex symbol back then even though I wasn't. I, no, but you but you can be a local sex symbol. Well, I was in Pennsylvania. I was a fucking twelve <laughs> on a scale of one to ten because they were still five years behind the whole like you know long hair thing. So I would do right. all these gigs out in Pennsylvania, and just fucking clean up. That's hilarious. Do you ever go back there? Like, is that like your Germany, like David Hasselhoff? Do you ever just go back to Pennsylvania? Do like a book signing or something no because once i cut my hair they cut me off I, they no longer like i was over they were they were mad they're just like remember when metallica cut their hair all the half their fans were pissed yeah they fucking cut their hair what felicity f- yeah who cares oh so that's gonna change their music so when I, yeah they, they turned on me pennsylvania too just before all my listeners trashed me for knowing the felicity thing i took an acting class with a girl who was on the show it was some show called felicity and every guy like 14 year old boy loved this girl felicity and then she she got her uh uh, this, you know, I'm going to play softball now haircut right. and, and the whole fucking show tanked. And this actress was a little bit older. So she was she came in just bitching one day because she finally had a fucking regular gig or something like that. She wasn't like one of the main people. Uh, but, you know, she was on like three, four fucking episodes a season. And this chick cut her hair and like 100 people lost their jobs. Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I know it. People. Well, before. Well, I could see I could see that. I mean, remember when Cheryl, I always thought Cheryl Crow was hot. I always I still so- think she's hot. And then remember when she came out with that fucking soccer mom hairdo for like a year? No. She cut it all off and it was really short. It fucking, she looked no. terrible. You can't do that. You can't, as a woman, if you come into the business fuckable, hot or whatever, you have to look that way. The whole it, It's the same thing. It's the same thing like uh, um, even as a guy. As a guy, if you're coming in and, you know, you're all shredded and you have abs and that type of shit, you got it. You have to, you can't get fat. You know what I mean? Unless you, I guess you're playing some, uh, trying to win an Oscar, but you can, but you then have to go back and lose the fucking yeah, weight. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing, dude. So if I look like fucking Ron Howard, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I basically I realize now that I'm losing my hair that I'm going to look like him my whole fucking life, which is really disappointing. Um, that you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no fucking problem. But you're you're 44. I mean, you'll you know. When do you think it might the career might start slowing down? You think you got to at least 50, 50? I think say when, when, when do you think it's going to start, um, dude? What I'm doing right if I just do if I make money off my podcast and I make and I just keep putting out specials every couple of years, I'm fucking good. Like right? my free time is priceless. Like uh, you know, you get into this fucking business and they start going. Oh, what, you know, like. You just think that you want a TV show, and then I don't know. You get kind of close to it, and uh, I mean, I don't know. Like your show, I, 
if I was going to do one, I like a show like yours, that metal show where it's like it's that's taped in pretty much real time, right? Maybe yeah. a couple of pickups uh-huh. or whatever. And real time for people not in show business here is just basically, you know, 30 minute show is shot in like 30 minutes. And maybe if there's a couple of flubs, if you said the name of an album wrong, you might have to go back and re-record that. But like uh, those one hour, one cameras, those are, that's 12 hours a day. Like five, six days. I think was it five days a week? They shoot they shoot an episode every four days, and they start the next one Friday, and you just keep going. I don't know. I guess it's like three months of your life. Right. I, I'm too. Uh, I I would rather just go slug it out in a strip mall, and just make money that way, and then just come back here and then fucking play guitar or fuck around. And chill. All day. Absolutely, man. Um, I love taking time off. You know, yeah, I you got to do it. Absolutely. Just, you know, because I was always like, even I'd work on holidays. I'd feel like if I didn't get on stage in two days, I'm like, what am I doing, man? Fuck. Right. I'm going to be rusty. Shit. I'm, what, am I, what am I doing my career? Everybody's passing me by. And now I'm like, gives a shit. Yeah. No, no. You got to like when you guys tape, like you're out here right now in Los Angeles to tape. Uh, like how, how many of that? Metal we're only doing we're doing six episodes. This we already taped two a few months ago. Whatever they're going to put them, but yeah, we tape two episodes in a day. We tape from three to seven. We knock out two two hour episodes in four hours, basically with like an hour break in between. Oh, so we just awesome. Yeah, we just pump them out. And I notice it. You know what I mean? It's not like I got to study it. We got you know guys from Iron Maiden and shit coming on, which I've been fans of for years. So I just yeah. like I'm just interviewing one of my idols, and there's a you know a camera on, which is awesome. Jesus Christ, dude. it's not too That's much research. Like you. You're for like me. you like. You've quietly created – you created – co-creator on this show? That no, but show? no. I mean I pitched it with uh, you know my buddy Eddie. Well, Eddie would, Trunk, uh, he's a DJ in New York and he's been on for a while and worked oh, at okay. record labels and stuff. We became friends. I go on his radio show and we just you know debate metal. And he goes, I'm going to try to get this as a TV show. I'm gonna Dude, that guy it. is on like a whole other level. Like he has to be the biggest metal fan ever. That guy like – I like he he takes it all like really like seriously like I I feel like if I could get into a bait with debate with him and he could actually convince me that Kiss is just as relevant as the Beatles. Uh, yeah, he can. Absolutely. Yeah, like I and see, you know, I mean, I can sit there like I love ACDC. Right. Uh, but I mean, I, they're not on the same level as the Beatles. They're just not. You know what I mean? Like it's they're just not. No, no. I love those guys. I'm not trying to. No, absolutely. Bad mouth any right. bands You're or right. anything. And I, I love those guys to death. By the way, I thought that was hilarious the way they described your uh, your show, at least on Wikipedia. They said uh, that that metal show is the uh, the Tonight Show for ACDC fans. Yeah, that's, that's the greatest phrase ever. Yeah. <laughs> Who came up with that? I don't, I, someone in a review, someone that came to the show and reviewed it or something. Because they wanted, the VH1 wanted to say it's it's the view, uh, it's a, to- a cross between um, the view? Headbangers oh. Ball and The View. I'm like, get that fucking nobody. I go, yeah, no, no one that likes hard rock or metal watches The View. Once not, don't say that. They go, no, it's, it's a successful show. And they're like, and they wanted me to say that in interviews, and I would never say it. And like, they were getting really pissed. Like, he's got, tell them to say it's a cross. I go, I'm never saying The what View. What is wrong with them? Just them in general. See, that's right. When I hear stories like that, I just like, how do you just not go? That is the dumbest fucking idea on the, you know what? I, I just feel like sometimes they just have to say something to justify the fact that they have a desk. Cause if they, if there's, if there's, they just want to be like, oh, it's, it's uh headbangers ball meets the view. I came up with that. That was my contribution to that show. And now I want to go create something else. I guess that's how they go up. 
I'm really not trying to sound like a bitter asshole, but I am here. No, of course you have to be because it's like, come on, we know. Like, no, like that fan base. When I go to an Ozfest, I I can go up to twenty thousand people. Do you watch the View? And fucking about nineteen thousand would punch me in the face for even asking them that. (laughs) No one would say yes. So why are we going? It's a cross between headbangers well and the view. As soon as the guy, if I saw that, because I was telling him, I go, if I saw that, I go, uh, the view. I'm not yeah. watching that. And you know what their thought is? Their thought is, well, this is a very male demographic. We got to get the females in there. Ugh. So then they throw in the view, and and just they can't. You know what it is? They can never make enough fucking money. <laughs> They're just never making enough. They always have to do it, and then they they got to add some extra fucking thing. And then when it nosedives, then they'd put it on you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you would have to bear that cross. Weren't you on that show that was like The View, but you had Ozzy on it? And he'd be like, that wasn't the idea, you know? And the other person gets to just skate away. I know. I've been lucky because, um, you know, the producer gets it and— you know, we fought for what it, what they real. I think originally they wanted it to be like a Rock of Ages type thing, the goof on the '80s metal. Uh-huh. They wanted us to basically dress in spandex and put wigs on, and you know, go right. ooh, all right. that stuff. And we're like, absolutely not. We're three fucking guys with no energy. We're not physical. We just sit there <laughs> and we talk heavy metal. But I it don't works, make. So. I don't. We don't make anything bigger. I'm not. We're not flashy. We don't throw kicks. Don't I gotta admit, work. I've been real jealous. Watching some of the people you've gotten to talk to, like just knowing you have Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden is one of my big, like, I fucked up that I didn't go see them. I could have seen them on the Power Slave tour. I forget what it was. My dad was pissed at me or something. I I, I fucked up like two weekends before and somebody had another ticket and it was like, you know, I was young enough where I still had to ask permission. Still living at home, like 16, 17. I was just like, uh, yeah, I got to let the old man cool off and I I can't make that one. And uh I actually think my friends didn't even make it to the show. They got so hammered. My friends were idiots. But uh, that's one of the big ones. And you, uh, I saw one time I was flipping through and I saw uh, you had Jason Bonham on. And, uh, you know, I'm a John Bonham freak. And I met him one time at Guitar Center in somewhere in Florida. I don't know why he was in there. He, li- he was living down in um, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Coral Springs. For a lot- I think he still lives down there, Jason. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I ran into him, and, and he was cool as hell. He liked comedy. And I got this, like, you know, cell phone pictures back then. It was like a flip camera, and they're usually awful. Somehow it was fucking great. It was just this awesome picture of me and Jason Bonham. And then I left the fucking cell phone in the goddamn cab on the way to the airport and I had never sent it to me, uh, sent it, uh, emailed it to myself or anything. So I was slipping through the fucking channels, dude. I'm such a John Bonham, like freak that when, like, like when I shook Jason's hand, like I was thinking like he shook his dad's hand at some point he had to have, you know, and like you walk around going, Hey dad. But it just like, I literally felt like, uh, I don't know. I was like the biggest fanboy ever. So when I saw that you had them on the show, him on the show, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would uh, that guy would have like had to call security if I actually got to sit down and ask him, and it would be like fifty million questions about his dad, which he's probably sick of answering. Um, I think he, um, you know, he doesn't mind it though. He went out and did that whole Zeppelin thing, and supposedly I heard from a, a reliable source there's going to be something going on with Zeppelin at the end of the year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't. The, the guy wouldn't say what. He's like a, a famous photographer who's really close with Jimmy Page. Well, I thought I thought Jason played great. Uh, during that last reunion that they did for the head, head of Atlantic Records when he died. Yeah. And what I loved was uh, he just, he he was doing like an amalgam of like studio and live shit he heard his dad do. Plus he, ha- he had a lot of him in it. Like I, I thought that he, he wasn't, 
I mean, that's got to be terrifying because like Zeppelin fans and like drummers, like um, I, I hate, like I, I look at like, there's a lot of people do like drum co- covers on YouTube and they'll do a drum cover of like uh, fucking, you know, some Zeppelin song and somebody will kill it. And someone will be like, good job, but there's only one John Bonham. It's like, everybody knows that. This right. guy doesn't think he's fucking John Bonham. He just loves the guy and, and it inspired him to learn how to I mean, play drums and learn how to play. I've even seen him like Jason. Jason's Bonham will have like, you know, him playing drums and he's fucking killing it. And someone would be like, you know, yeah, but he's nowhere near his dad. Right. And it's like nobody is. Right. And he, he doesn't have a T-shirt saying I'm really near to my dad <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when it comes to drums. It's just so fucking annoying. Um, and I don't even know why I read the comments. I just, I think I just read them just to see that, just to get mad. Of course. Because and look, if, J- if John was still around and Jason, t- J- John goes, I'm out of Zeppelin and they hired Jason to play drums. Then you can go, Hey, you know, you need his dad back there. He's no, right. he's no John, but he's not around. What are you going to do? So fucking just let Jason be Jason. Right. Which is why I don't mind when people trash Wolfgang Van Halen. I want Michael Anthony back there. It's fucking annoying. They finally got David Lee Roth. Back in, just get Michael Anthony back in there. You can never, he can, they could, that will never happen. How does Eddie throw his son out of the band? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's the problem. And yeah, Alex he, is the uncle. He has to leave. He's got to throw his son out Wolfgang of the band. Wolfgang has to leave. You know, Michael's doing a show. Michael and Sammy are doing our show this week. Oh, where, where are they going to be at? We're, they're taping our show. Oh, are they, is that, uh, oh, yeah, okay. this week, yeah. Oh, if you want to come out, if you're around, you want to come to the tape. And I miss everything. When is it? Like, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday, of course. I'm going. To- okay, so it's time for a little advertising. Um, all right, people, stamps.com. Here we go. There are too many what ifs when you go to the post office. What if there's traffic? Or what if you can't find parking? Or what if there's some smelly SOB holding the door? Mommy, I don't want to go in there. He's smelly. I don't care, Judy. Things get smelly in life. You need to push past this. I married your father. This is our situation. Get in there and get the stamps. Right? No one wants to go through that. What if it's closed when you get there? What if you're too dumb to realize the sun went down and you don't realize that they're not in the post office anymore? You understand here? There's a lot of what ifs. With their limited hours, you never know. Avoid all that hassle. Just use Stamps.com. What's that, Bill? What is Stamps.com? Well, I'll tell you, you son of a gun. Uh, Stamps.com is basically bringing the post office into your home, your apartment, your flat, your duplex, your tented city. With Stamps.com, anything you can can do with the post office, you can now do from the convenience of your own desk. I've done it. It's awesome. You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. It's great. You feel like the king of the world. Uh, Get exact postage for any letter or package whenever you need it. All right? 24-7. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. Okay? And you don't have to look at somebody's stupid face when you walk up there. You know, when they put that little thing, sorry, this window's closed. And you want to beat them with that little sign. Um, Anyways, I actually use Stamps.com. That's how I send out all of my DVDs. I put on a little I'm in a mailroom hat, and I, I weigh my DVDs, and I send them off to a strip mall near you so I can then go out, dance like a monkey, and hopefully whore myself out after the show and sell the DVDs. But that's another sad story. Back to the uh, the special offer here. Right now, use my last name, Burr, B-U-R-R, for this special offer. It's a no-risk trial. 
plus an $110 bonus offer includes a digital scale to weigh your letters and packages up to $55 free postage. All right, don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R, that's Stamps.com. Enter Burr and bring the post office into your world. Stop going into their world, all right? It's like the end of one of those nerdy movies when you finally find the little glowy thing. Did I just mess it up at the end there? All right, whatever. Stamps.com. Do it if you want to. Something for you. E-voice, everybody. Would you like to have a? Would you like to have your cell phone ring, but have people not know what your real number is? You know, wouldn't you like to get like have a cell phone, right? And only your friends and family knew the real number to it, and then you could come up with these virtual phone numbers that people could dial, but weren't really your phone number, but your cell phone would still ring. Would you be into that? Would you be into a service like eVoice that would allow you to do that? And off these these virtual phone numbers. You could actually, uh, you could do conference calling on your own new business. And on the conference call, a feature where you could have actually up to 95 people for each extension. It's incredible. It's basically, it's a business phone number that will, that will ring on your cell phone. Okay? Without anybody knowing your personal one, which gives you the option of knowing whether it's a business one or a personal one and not answering it and whatever. It's absolutely perfect. It's an amazing thing. Um, they offer an entire service where you can uh, toll-free local managing of outgoing calls. This is all, all the, uh, this is all the, 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 what are they, options. I can't even think this week. Uh, mobility, all calls forwarded to a number slash people don't have to know your, uh, your personal phone number. Virtual numbers, so long as you have a real number, you can give out fake numbers, but it rings on your own number. And if you don't pick up on your business, uh, your, your new virtual um, phone number, they actually have professional accents, uh, professional uh, voice actors to give you any, any sort of like, like an outgoing message. Like if you want to give the illusion that you, your business is bigger than it is and you have a bunch of employees, one of the options that they have is that you can actually have – like I personally, I would pick some sexy female voice with like a British accent. just gives you business credibility. You know, they'll send you emails with a text transcription of the voicemail um, or not – the option is totally yours. Uh, it's a great way to basically have all these different business lines without having to drill a bunch of holes in the wall in your house. You know, you go, hello, welcome to uh, Widget, Widgets R Us or whatever. I'm doing a bad accent. You know what I'm saying. You can start the whole friggin' thing. So it's email, uh, e-voice. Check it out today. Do I have a website here? What the hell is it? Uh, hang on one second. Let me get this website. Yeah, it's evoice.com. There you go, Bill. You genius. Um, once again, evoice is your mobile phone at work. It's perfect for business, uh, business person on the move. Uh, like myself, I'm actually going to get one of these phone numbers just because when I travel from club to club and all these uh, different radio stations, like my, my phone number gets out there and, and I, I get weird phone calls sometimes. You know, I rented a car in Chicago with like Avis like three months ago. And then out of nowhere, I, got to, I had to write down my, my fucking cell phone number. And uh, the guy who worked at Avis called me up. Oh, actually sent me a text. Hey, saw your stand-up the other day. Really funny. I'm the guy who rented you the car at Avis, which is beyond creepy. And I'm a dude, so I can only imagine how that would make a female. So it gives you the great, like, uh, privacy options while you still exist in the business world. Um, features eVoice offers includes call forwarding, call routing, 
toll-free um, 800 numbers, auto attendant, um, advanced voicemail, voicemail to text or voicemail to email, however the hell you want to do it. Uh, click on the eVoice banner on BillBurr.com on the podcast page or go to www.evoice.com slash BillBurr to get your exclusive six-month free trial. Six-month free trial. eVoice, uh, e your mobile phone at work. Um, that's one of those ideas where I'm just like, that right there is why I'm not a billionaire. Because I just look at that like that idea was just out there and uh, I just did nothing. <laughs> Why didn't I jump on that? Like YouTube, that's one of those ideas. Um, anyways. But now I'm telling you about them, so you got to check them out. These guys are great. All right? Because um, I've actually done half the shit that they do here, and I paid a fucking lawyer to do it. It cost me a zillion dollars. Um, all right. If you basically... Are you sitting in a cubicle right now? Are you wondering why you're making somebody else's dream come true? Why you're working towards that when you actually have an idea for a business? You know, well, and you're sitting there going, well, I'd love to get myself incorporated to start my business, but it's going to cost a fortune. Well, at LegalZoom.com, if you've been waiting for the perfect time to start your dream business, um, right now is the time to do it. You can incorporate your business or form an LLC at LegalZoom.com starting at just 99 bucks. It costs me like 1500 something like that, 700 1500 I can't remember. It was a lot of money. They'll do it for 99 bucks. And if you have a family um, and you need to make sure that they're protected, LegalZoom also will help you uh, make out your last will and testament for just 69 bucks. That's something that I have to do. All right? I have to make out my last will and testament, which is really a scary thing for me to do, you know, because you're actually dealing with your own mortality. And considering I just had a dream, like I did last night, it freaks me out. But I got to tell you, if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it for 69 bucks. Um, in the past 12 years, over 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom for LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more. This is basically, look, if you're trying to start a business or if you need a will to protect your assets, this is the place to go. Uh, you're going to save hundreds, even thousands of dollars versus going the traditional route. And I know what you're thinking. Well, what if I get bogged down? What, what if I can't figure it out? They even have an attorney to help you if you need uh, if you need help. Basically, they have uh, attorneys that you can call and that type of stuff. All right. Mandatory close. Sorry, I wasn't supposed to write <laughs> the worst. There's the mandatory close, everybody, to this ad. Start your business and protect your family today at LegalZoom.com. You can also get a special discount from listening to this podcast. Make sure you enter BURR, B-U-R-R, in the referral box and check out uh, at checkout for more savings. LegalZoom is not a law firm, and self-help services are provided at your direction. All right, so that's the deal. There it is. You want to start your business? You want to be incorporated? That is the cheapest, most efficient way to do it. Uh, I wish they were around back when I got incorporated. Could have saved myself hundreds of dollars. So there you go. Legal Zoom. I fucking miss everything, dude. And then we got Steve Harris taping that same day, too, from me. Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I know. And then they're raffling off a uh, John Bonham drum kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paige and John Paul Jones are coming in on Thursday. Can you make that? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know who's got some insane stories, but isn't in, in a uh, isn't in a metal band is Steve Gorman from uh, the Black Crows. I did his podcast. Yeah, if you ever, I don't know if you know. I'm trying. You would tell me about him. Oh my god, 
He's got some great, and I'm not going to tell any of them. I'll tell him to you when we're off just to give you a gist of some of the stories. But, I mean, I don't know what he wants out there. Plus, he, he lived them, so you tell him better. But um, how the hell did I get to know him? I think I doing his podcast is how I got to know him. And then the Black Crows came, and they were playing the uh, Palladium one night. Did some epic, like, three-hour show. Like, the first half was acoustic. Then they came out and did the electric stuff. It was incredible. And um, he's one of those just really just, you know, you know, been through it and back and back again, you know, so just totally down to earth. Totally cool guy, man. He, he would be great. I mean, I don't know if Black Crows are too uh, Rolling Stone. No, kinda, we, they would fit in. I, mean, I yeah. love the Black Crows, man. Yeah, right. well, I'll tell you, that guy would be uh, fuck, a, a fucking amazing guest. If he told half the stories, or just one or two of them, they're just really like uh, – you know, it's it's you know what it is. As, as a comedian, we have a bunch of stories, but so much of it is solo shit. And as much as you might not get along with another comedian, um, you don't have to go out on the road with them. And it's just that thing of like, you know, I've done a couple of comedy tours, and it's just like, you know, there's always there's the late guy, there's the fucking loud guy, there's the dude who's snoring. You know, there's always there's always, and you have to learn how to get along with those people. I don't know how the fuck these bands do it. I don't either, man. Being on a tour bus for friggin' six months at a time. No, and, and bunks. And they all got that fucking story too. Like the second the tour ends, like they just they just all leave in different cars by then, and they don't talk to each other for like fucking eight months. Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that's how I would have been with my friends if I was in my early twenties. When you don't recognize, like, hey, shit's getting out of control with everybody's relationships. We need to have a sit down here, and you just let it get to that point where the level of resentment is so high. You don't even give a fuck that you're playing arenas. Yeah. You're going to walk away from that. You can't get along with the bass player. Does that even, doesn't even make sense, right? They, um, yeah, it's, speaking of which, we got Aerosmith coming on a show this week. Of course you do. So, of course you Who else do you got that I'm not going to be able to come into? <laughs> I finally have a fucking hookup in this goddamn world. No, else? actually, well, Aerosmith, they're going to tape on uh, Sunday. Oh, it's, yeah, not Joe, right? it's not Joe and uh, Steven. It's the other three, Brad, Tom Hamilton, and uh, Joey Kramer. That's even cooler. I know. We want to say the unsung heroes of Aerosmith. Yeah, that's even cooler. What is, I don't want to talk to Steven Tyler about fucking American Idol. I don't give a shit. What? You know what I mean? <laughs> he said he's done, though. Yeah, he's, I know. He said... is done. But I'm just saying I didn't want to revisit that or any of that crap. Right. So we got these other guys coming on. But there was a point where they weren't – those step bands always been fighting for years. There was a point they didn't even play for two years, and they were doing a gig over in, like, Dubai. And they were getting, like, $5 million to headline this big rock festival. Right. And they had to do the gig. They weren't going to cancel it. They didn't talk to Tyler for two years. That Tyler didn't – they didn't even talk to him before he walked on the stage. He didn't, wouldn't even rehearse with them. He didn't – you know, before that one big show. They didn't play. Right. The first time they saw him in two years is when he walked out when they, st- when they opened up with, like, Sweet Emotion, when he hit the microphone. That was the first time they even saw him. That's how but much they hated really? each other. Yeah, he would. He didn't fly so then, with them. So then when they did the show, was he still putting his arm around Joe? Yeah, he just went up there like nothing happened. But then you saw like six months later, I had another gig and fucking Joe knocked them off the stage. They had a plat- They had a whole uh, stage going out to the crowd. Right. Like a little thing. And, and Joe freaking nudged him and he went flying in the crowd. And he broke his, uh, like his arm or something like that. He had to cancel a tour. And Joe's <laughs> like, I do that to him all the time. But you could see he did it on purpose. Like, you fuck. <laughs> You made me sit home for two years. Is that what happened? I don't know. Because you as a com- – just think of us as a comic. I thought we he have to fell deal- off. I thought he fell off the stage and then he got mad because nobody in the band ran over to see what he was – Well, that if too, but okay. if you watch the YouTube video, Joe nudges him. And he goes, I do that – we do that all the time to each other. But he he was right on the edge. You could see he fucking did it on purpose. 
<laughs> but j- just imagine Dude, that's a comic. like sports right there. I know. Was it? He, was he going for the head? Did he hit him with the shoulder? Is that an elbow? He just gave him a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, get the fuck away from me. But he they, he can't get mad. That the other guys didn't come to see the show's got to keep going. They Absolutely. just kept playing, hoping he was going to crawl back up. Wow. But just imagine as a comic, like say you know there's three or four of us touring together, right? right. And then all of a sudden one guy's being an asshole and doesn't want to do the tour six months from now, and we got to sit home for two years and can't play. Right. That would drive. I, that would drive me out of my mind. And then he goes on and does like a reality show. Oh, yeah, I mean Joe right. Perry jo- doesn't just join another band. Go fuck! I got to get up on stage. They sit home and do nothing. I saw a Joe Perry project went out. I saw them at the uh, the House of Blues. Oh they, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And then, like you know, you, can't, you know, when they come to LA, all the musicians, so many of them are out here. It's like New York. So who who came out? Like Slash came out and a couple other guys. Like Slash is the shit. He came out and jammed with the opening band. Like he doesn't, get, he just doesn't care. Like he just wants to play. Speaking of torture, I mean, it must have been torture for him having to wait all those years for Axel before he just finally said, fuck it, I'm going to do my own thing, you know? Well, that's the thing that people always ask if we're going to do, you know, if Axel they would ever get the original band back together. First of all, they're not broke. So that's not going to happen. They only do it when they're broke. Axel's band, you know, Guns is huge still. And over in Europe, they perform in front of like 30,000 people. So he's really? got money. Slash makes money. All Duff's a friggin' financial whiz. He's fucking got, he owns like half a Starbucks. He's good. And, you know, Steven, the drummer, is the only one that's, you know, he still has some money, but he, could, you know, he could use it. Izzy, who wrote most of the songs, is like a fucking gypsy and just lives in a friggin' like RV and just travels across the country. So he doesn't need any money. What, what what band is he in? He, he was still a in the Juju rhythm guitar Hounds? player in Guns N' Roses. Izzy's no, no, traveling. I remember. Yeah, yeah. But he, I remember Izzy and the Juju Hounds was his Yeah, he band did a couple solo, solo records, too. So they don't need the money. But um, Slash even said, he goes, look, he goes, I'm in my fucking 40s now. He goes, and if we ever got back together, the original band, and the, the opening band got off stage at 9 o'clock, and Axel didn't want to go on to 1130, we had to make those fans wait. He goes, I'd walk out the fucking door on the bus, and I'd, go, I'd be in my bed by fucking 10 o'clock. Because I would never put up with that. I'm not going to sit. I'm not fucking sitting around for two and a half hours. See, that seemed to be the problem is that they when I, I, I read Slash's autobiography, you know, there's a few books that I read. If you ever saw like a list of the books that I read, it'd be fucking hilarious. There's like a couple of classics, Count of Monte Cristo. Right. Prince and the Popper or some shit, and then the rest is just all. Of course, Tommy yeah. Land is one of my favorite books. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer of the Gods. I remember <laughs> reading that, thinking that they were they really sold their soul to the devil. Right. Other than yeah, just some bad shit happens in life sometimes. But uh, I, I remember reading the Slash one, just going like, "Why are they?" There's a point in the book where Matt Sorum finally just goes down and knocks on his dressing room drawer or his, or his, his uh, trailer. He's like, "Get the fuck out here! What the fuck are we doing?" Like, it just seemed like everyone was just sort of appeasing every demand that he had. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because they were doing drugs and stuff, and they're like, as long as I got my little fucking pile of heroin over here, yeah, take. The- Take control of the name of the band. I don't give a fuck. Like, all that crazy shit that he did. Um, oh, you actually got, like, one of the few, like, sit-down interviews with him, didn't you? With Axel, yeah. 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 What was that like? It was amazing. He's a good dude, man. You know, he's just, he, look, he's a hermit. He's friggin' private. He doesn't want any publicity. You uh-huh. know, he just, like, sits at home, and when he feels like going out and touring, he tours. And, you know, he's a maniac. I mean, like, you know, just that he, he has, everything has to be 100% perfect for him to go on stage, for him to put a song out. That's why it took him so long. But he's a good dude. Once like you a get, perfectionist, you mean? He's a total perfectionist, perfectionist, yeah. And he just, and, but he's got a great sense of humor. He's just a down-to-earth dude. But, and there's so many rumors about the guy, and we talked to him about it. He goes, I don't even, he goes, what am I going to do, address a different rumor every fucking five minutes about me? 
You know, right. the London press said like a year ago said that he just he kills all the neighbors' dogs. He 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 backs over him with his truck and then he runs back over him. He's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out and, and issue? <laughs> he goes, so people think I'm people think I'm this biggest asshole. He goes, whatever. I just how many rumors do you come up with? With that's that's the next one. Like what you know? He's know. an alien. We already got that one. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. runs the, over the dogs and then he runs over him again. Yeah, he runs him over again. Jesus. He's God. like so. He goes, just is so much. You know bad shit about me out there he goes look and i'm and he addressed the whole thing about being late he goes even as a kid my job was right next door and i would still be a half hour late i'm always just running late i'm an airhead when it comes to that but he goes i like everything to be perfect whatever i do and it just takes time. i know but, dude, but i know but be, yeah, being absolutely. an airhead like i don't know where my car keys are but when you hear eighty thousand people with their what the fuck where are you energy or whatever they perform to thirty thousand people i think uh you know I don't know this. No, there's got to be something wrong with you. Like yeah. if you were sitting backstage in an improv or a theater and the opening act got off and you're just sitting back there and you hear the crowd like, what the fuck? And you sit there for an hour and a half. Like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No. Yeah. No. Make them wait another 45 minutes. There's no way we would do that in a million years. No, I would be so afraid that the, my, that would be the last time anyone would ever come to see me. Absolutely. I wouldn't even do it out of respect for the fans. I would do it out of fear yeah, of going back to what the fuck I used to have to do, you know? <laughs> Um, speaking of that, how much uh, how much stand up do you get to do like uh, during the year now with all your your projects? That- I do like two weekends a month. I'm out, you know, do it road okay. stuff. So you're doing it then? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I still you know do funny bone, you know, improv. Do you still go down to like the clubs in New York or anything? Uh, not- once in a while, I do the cellar. You know, I'll do Dude, the cellar. Killing like- me, man. I'm like the. I feel like I'm the only guy. Like I go down to the comedy store and like the the improv out here, and like when I think about all the guys that I started with, and all of that, like I don't know, like a lot of them, they just don't come around to the clubs anymore. Maybe I need more of a home life. You got a kid now, right? Yeah, I got a kid, so that's tough. You know, I got. Right. You know, no, that totally to makes do a sense. seller spot at twelve ten. Ain't happening. And get home, you know, and they're running late, and then I get home at like one thirty or two because I want to hang, you know, and just be a, you know, talk and hang right. out and shit, and you know, catch up with everybody, and then. You know, uh, he's up at fucking seven. Yeah, you know what? I was amazed at how Norton could, you know, once he got the Opie and Anthony gig. I remember, like, a few times I sat in for him, and I would go out and try and do stand-up that night. And I was already wiped out if I had done the show that day. And then try to get up at, like, you know, 5.30 in the morning. Like, he's been doing that for, like, what, 10 years? Yeah. 12 years? It's ridiculous. I don't know how he does he's that. He's a maniac. Yeah. Does, does, does he sleep even, during the day? How does he do it? Yeah, he says he takes a nap during the day, but still, it's like, you know, he hits an early spot. You know, he, he's probably done by like 10 o'clock. He said he goes to bed at like midnight and gets up at 5. 5, and then his brain is that quick? Like, he has one of the quickest minds I know. ever. I, I've never gone in there and I've seen him just like like not on. Even Jim, like, if he's tired, his brain always seems like it's like, sometimes, you know, sometimes a he's mile better, down he's better the road. He's better when he's tired. Yeah. Because he's so fucking miserable that anything will set him off. You know what I love what he does? I like how he's into that UFC shit. I like when he has the guys come in and they do the holds. They'll like choke <laughs> yeah. him. And you, you hear that fucking noise he made? <laughs> and somebody put that on a loop. I watched that one time when I was on the road just fucking laughing my ass off for like – like. Just killed like a good ten minutes on the road, just dying laughing. But, yeah, you get, these guys put him in chokeholds. They friggin' uh, I was there they one punch day. Punch him. Yeah, this guy like uh, what did he do? He took it. He kicked him with his shin, like yeah, right. You right where you get a Charlie horse. Right. And the look on Jim's face was so priceless because it was like one of those pains that was so severe, like it 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 
it was like a pause before it set in. And then he literally looked like nauseous. Right. Like he, and I remember Kenny was upset too, going, that, he's like, that guy didn't have to hit him that hard. That was bullshit. No, no, he didn't have to hit him that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was worth it. He's a trooper, man. He really. Uh... No, he is, man. He did, that guy deserves everything he gets. Cause, I mean, that guy would get off a plane on fucking Christmas Day and do three spots at the cellar and two at the comic strip. I'm like, dude, you could take a day off. You yeah, go yeah. see your family. I, I, I got spots. I got to do it. I... Yeah, you remember that shit when we used to go down when we used to do the food spots at the cellar? And we would do them and then you'd play. Uh, everybody would play chess. And just shit on each other if you weren't playing chess upstairs at the olive tree. Thank, you know what I love about that? Thank God nobody was – because I'm so fucking codependent. If they were all drinkers, I would have been boozing like every night with them. Uh, but thank God they weren't. So everyone just sat around like like Patrice never drank. Yeah. Jim doesn't drink. Bobby Colin. didn't drink. Yeah, none of those guys drank. And I remember uh, getting into this – this cycle of going down there and doing like a 12, 1230. You know, David Tell was always a 12. So I'd be on after him like 1245, 1250. And then you just sit there and you'd always be like, I'm going home early tonight. I'm going home early. Next thing it was like four in the morning. The amount of times I took the subway home, used to take the six from Astor Place. I'd take it up when I was living with fucking Bobby and we'd be getting off the train and the sun was coming up and people were coming out to go to work. And, uh, it was so fucking – it was kind of cool, but then also I always felt like a, a, a bum because I used to be like a morning person, had like a paper route and all that type of shit. And uh, then you get in that awful cycle where you'd go to bed at like 7.30, sleep till like 3 or 4, and then you'd just wake up and do what? Get breakfast and it was time to go down the fucking cellar again. Yeah, that's that's a tough. I you know I lived with Norton for like four years, and that that was his schedule. I would go to bed at like two. I was never yeah. a six o'clock guy. I go to bed at two and get up at ten. He was a guy that you know at seven in the morning he'd still be up, and then I have to wake him up at like six o'clock. I go, dude, you got spots. You got the cellar at eight, eight, eight o'clock. <laughs> I'd be waking him up at six o'clock. How long did you live with him? Like three, probably three years. And I, and you guys were able. You guys seem like you'd be able to get along good. Right? Absolutely, yeah, we got along great, yeah. man. We lived right outside the city. We paid like three hundred bucks. We let, we had a, I, I had a girlfriend at the time that lived with us. So it was nine hundred bucks for rent. So we split it three ways, three hundred oh, bucks a piece. Perfect. We were fucking five minutes away from the GW or the Lincoln Tunnel. It was beautiful. It was a shithole. It was fucking mold all over the walls and stuff. We didn't care. <laughs> like 300 bucks. It's fucking beautiful. I lived with Bobby, and uh, we almost killed each other by the end. And, but I, I actually learned how to let shit go. Like Bobby has this, this great thing where he can get past shit. And I didn't, co- I didn't come from a school where you got past yeah. shit. It's like, you did something to me. And then we had, fuck you, fuck you. And then the shit was over. But I learned through him how, how to be like, all right, dude, you know, you don't write somebody off because they spilled orange juice on your fucking little kitchen TV that you had there, you know? Um, but we lived in a in a we lived three people in a walk through one bedroom apartment. It was one bedroom, and then it was like a sitting room, right? And we actually used that as like the bedroom. And then in the living room, Bobby had a pull out couch that he slept on. It was ridiculous. And the our, our, our roommate, any time he brought a chick back there, he always fucking walked through. Like we, and Bobby put like a shower curtain up. It was fucking hilarious. And the guy always would come fucking, and he'd fucking like try and peek in to see the chick you were with. Oh, yeah. You know, not during, but like afterwards when you're fucking laying there. So one time Bobby fucking, you know, the dude came walking through, 
So Bobby was naked and he was underneath the covers. So what he did when the guy was coming back, because when he'd come back, it's the way you were laying in the bed. And then he'd look to see, I don't know, see your titties or whatever. Bobby pulled the covers off of himself and was laying there totally naked. And and the dude came walking in, locked eyes with Bobby. And Bobby was just like, what's up? <laughs> and he never did it again. Really? He never did it again. It was fucking, it was brilliant. It was fucking brilliant. It was classic Bobby Kelly. Like, you know, I would have sat there for fucking four days trying to figure out how I'm going to approach this subject with him. He just got right to the core. Cool. I'll just show him my junk. Right. That'll freak him out. <laughs> That's funny. And I don't have to say anything. It was It was fucking perfect. That's great. I used to have a roommate where his dad used to come home and want to fuck, look at the girls that were we brought home. Oh. Yeah, he was real creepy, right? Yeah, he would always, like they, he, he fucked one of his son's girlfriends after they broke up. Wow. Yeah. Was, was told, he a younger guy? No, I mean, you know, he was like twenty. He was probably like forty-five, and we were twenty. Something like that. And he bald dude. He wasn't good looking at all or anything like that. Jesus. He, yeah. So he's always. So I remember one time, like we were, we only had one bedroom. We we're sharing. We had these two girls there, and I was on the floor at one. He was the son was in the bed with the other, and he comes home and he's peeking in. And he turned the light on. He looked. I never forget this. It was so funny. <laughs> he looked at the bed and he couldn't really see. And then he looked in the ground. He saw this girl and she was fucking fat. Right. That's what I got. And he's like, "Who the fucks with Orca down there?" I never. Forget. He said that. He said that. Yeah. What did the girl do? She. I. We just pretend like ah, oh, get out of here, and we just put, pretend. You tried like to drown him out. Oh, we tried to, girl. but we didn't drown him out at all because it it was it was awful. <laughs> we were we were like I was trying to hold it in because it was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Who's with Orca? Yeah, dude, you had that thing. Yeah, I never had like I could never hook up with somebody. I was I some of my friends they could just hit anything that fucking moved just for the numbers. I always had there had to be some sort of like some sort of attraction. Uh, I, I remember a couple of times my friends like, dude, what the fuck? And I was just like, dude, she's, she's gross. And they'd be at least let her blow you. And I was like, yeah. So I, I tried to do that one time. And I ended up hooking up with this girl. And she was, ah, oh, she just was fucking, I, I don't, you ever hook up with a girl? She's like young, but she wears like an old person's perfume. Oh, the, wor- uh, the she worst. She smelled like she was fucking 80. Oh, oh. She smelled like she was fucking 80. And that's all I could remember. I just remember banging her doggy style with my head turned to the side. Yeah, it, it was horrific. No, that's 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 bad. I, yeah, I, did, I went through that phase for a while, but then it, it I needed you know it had to be quality. But there was yeah. times where because I, I you had quality, dude. I never saw like th- there were certain guys I, I saw. You know, they they bring girls down to the cellar. I was never a guy who brought girls down to the cellar. I never like uh, I never trusted. Like I just feel you're just bringing them down to the lion's den. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. you know, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> if someone didn't take her. They, at the very least, you know, I would go down there and take a pounding, some epic fucking pounding. I remember one night Patrice was getting was going after Norton, and Norton had some girl there, and they got into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, because Norton f- doesn't like that. Like if you know he says something, because Patrice will say something to a girl or something. Norton doesn't like to get, you know, if, if he perceives he's which getting totally makes sense. Which totally makes yeah. sense. But you know, Patrice once he saw that that Jim was annoyed. It was fucking hilarious. It was really, really fun. Jim really got mad. And, uh, you know, of course, they, you know, they squashed it the next fucking day. But well, it was Patrice hilarious. did that when I brought a girl down. She said something stupid while he was sitting at the table. He was trying to be nice. And she just said something. 
Just, and uh, I forget what it was, and Patrice just laid into her, and the girl's like, oh, "I want to go. I'm getting out of here. Why is he so mean?" Yeah, and that's I was, I, Patrice, of course I was bad Patrice mouth, and, and I'm, I'm like, Robinson. "Yeah, I go. He's an asshole. I don't know. You know, I thought he was my friend. I, I don't know why he would say that." <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, "That was fucking funny. You deserved it, but I wasn't going to say that." <laughs> no, I would. Patrice and Keith Robinson, if they were ever there together, it just was like, "Why would you do that to yourself?" Like, I, I, I didn't have the skill to still get laid. After parading the girl past those two fucking guys, because they were either going to trash her or they were going to trash me and make me look like an asshole or even worse. I, I really took some epic, epic fucking poundings down there. I was not good at that. It took me. I was not good at that game. Just sitting there trashing people because the way I learned the game was it was serious and you went right for the fucking jugular like uh, Bobby has that a little bit. Right. Um which is why we probably almost killed each other by the, when we were living together. But um, I don't know. You know what I wanted to talk about here? How far into this are we? 45 minutes. By the way, you're a fucking great guest. Thank God. I appreciate that, man. You know Thanks. what I mean? There's nothing better than when somebody comes over and they can just shoot the shit. They're the worst. You know it. Somebody comes there. Like I imagine on your show and be like, yeah, you had one of the greatest albums of the 80s. What was that like? And they were like, oh, you know, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it was good. It was, um, you know, yeah, it was... There were some other ones that were good too, but that was. I know, believe me, it's. We always discuss that, and like, lucky that guy Eddie Eddie Trunk, that's you know one of the hosts. He's been in the business for thirty years, so he knows these guys. So before he'll go, look, that's this guy's a tough interview. Right. He doesn't say much, or you can't get much at him, or this guy just talks. He'll keep going and going, so we got to cut him off. So he knows which who, is good. Who, who's been? Look, I guess you can't name a name, but who's been like just the toughest, like. You know who's tough to interview, but a great guy, one of the great, is Lemmy from Motorhead. Because he's, oh, yeah. he's an old, cranky British guy. In fact, I love Lemmy. He's the, my favorite. When, if, if, when he passes, man, it's going to be a fucking sad it's day. brutal, yeah. I saw that documentary on him. It's fucking he's great. amazing. He's just yeah. a legend, man. But he's he just gives one-word answers. And, you know, he needs a few cocktails in him to lighten up. And if we're taping at 3 in the afternoon, he's got to have a few jacks in him. And But he just gives a lot of one-word answers. He goes, no, I, don't, I didn't like that album. I, it, it, to me, it was terrible. And that's his answer. He's not being a dick, right. but that's just the way he is. So it's tough to get stuff out of him. Uh, he, he makes he's he, a funny he, dude. He, he gives me hope. That guy that you can booze at that level still. Dude, you know what I mean? Sixty six years old, smokes two packs of cigarettes a day, Marlboro Reds, drinks a bottle at least a bottle of Jack Daniels a day, and still does you know crystal meth from time to time. And been doing it for since he was Jimi Hendrix roadie back in the day. So he's been doing know, it since unreal. the early seventies. I, I watched a documentary on him. He, yeah. he just decided to try like every kind of bourbon or every kind of scotch. I don't know what it was. And he had all of the bottles like on his windowsill on the floor going up a bookcase. I mean, it looked like, uh, like if they ever said, Hey Bill, this is all the whiskey, uh, you and your friends drank over the last 25 years. And with him, I think he was just knocking him out. I don't know. Dude, he, he, I, I, he's, that, he's, he's, he's I, more hardcore than Keith Richards. Everyone's like Keith Richards with the drugs. and you know. I he, read Keith's book Keith's also, book. Yeah. of course, because that's part of my library. He seemed like, he said like basically, you know, I think he has a drink every now and again, but like since basically from 1980 on, he's been clean. But like the publicity, he got, publicity that he got when he was doing heroin and getting arrested and everything, like he was never able to shake that. But he talked about like the way he did Coke. He goes, you don't sit there and just keep doing it. He's like, you do a bump, then you get on with the party or whatever, you know, right. and you, you don't get 
so fucking high you got to keep doing it. He seemed like a really like in control kind of uh, user anyways. You know what I mean? He didn't like – I mean as a comedian, my all the reference is always like, you know, when the nuclear holocaust comes, you know, cockroaches and Keith Richards are right, the only yeah. people – he's going to be shooting heroin into his eye. And you did, I just kept hearing that and I thought that that's how the guy was and I guess he wasn't at all. Yeah, I mean he, I think he had like a good 15-year run from like 65 to 80 where he was just, you know – did Progressively a lot of heroin and drinking into, and coke yeah. and stuff like that, but then he stopped, so he's not really that. But I mean, Lemmy's been doing it since you know 1970. That's unreal. And well, just, considering also that Betty Ford Clinic didn't come around to like what the mid 70s, even probably 80s, 80, early 80s yeah. yeah. So like nobody really knew. Like that first, you know, wave of people, the the Elvises and them, you know, just people not knowing that somebody has a problem and they need like an intervention. I mean. If if you were getting high from sixty five to eighty and you figured it out in eighty, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think, dude, I, I got a problem with that shit, man. Like the level that I like to drink. I'm not an alcoholic, but like, you know that stupid joke. I'm not an alcoholic, but I drink like one. Yeah, like I mean, I don't do Lemmy level of drinking, but like, um, I've I'm haven't drank in like a month. Just took a month off, and uh, I don't get like that. Like, oh wow, everything's awesome and and. It just makes me want to – every day it's like I'm adding to the equation of how much I want to drink. Like after a week, it's like ah, I'd love like fucking four beers. And then the second week, God, I'd love a 12-pack. And now it's just like I want to drink like Lemmy for like – like I have to drink like that and then realize, oh, you can't do that. Then I stop. Then you stop, I yeah. go like cold turkey. But I'm not like fiending for it. I just fucking like it. You know what yeah, I mean? no, absolutely, man. I, I was never one of those to like my grandparents always had like a drink at the end of the night. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm like, as a comic, we never did that. We're like, ah, you just go to fucking. Thank bed. God you guys didn't, because I would have. If you guys did, I would have. Yeah, I never did. Especially if like I'm if I'm on the road or about to fucking Fort Lauderdale for three or four days. Yeah, I'll have some beers after the show, maybe a couple right. of shots. But you know, when you're home doing comedy sets in New York, I'm like, no, what I, I would never even think about having a beer. Or yeah. anything, thank God. But now as I get older, I'm like, yeah, I have a glass of wine, have a couple. But I don't go that far. I never, that was never my uh, – I never had that problem with the alcohol. I always just wanted to get a little buzz on just so I can rap with chicks. Right. Because I had no – I was shy. Right. So if I had a little buzz on, I'd fucking have some balls to go up to and say <laughs> – so that was my whole thing. That's really why I started drinking. That's why I never get into drugs. I'd see my bu- buddies doing coke. On Friday night, we we waiting to go out to the club, and they would do coke, and they would just fucking just spend three hundred bucks and just fucking want to talk all night. I'm like, let me just have fucking a six pack and let's go to the bar. Yeah, it's like a rap with chicks. What are you guys doing? <laughs> You're not solving anything <laughs> over there. Fucking talking about American Indians. Who gives a fuck? You know, somebody told me a story about Patrice recently. I never I never heard this one. Was about he was talking to his mom about trying weed. He tried it a couple of times. And right. was like, and then, you know, tried it, got high, and then just got the munchies and ate. And he told his mom, he was just like, look, I'm just going to fucking save the money that I would have spent on weed and just go buy the food. Just fucking get right to that. <laughs> and it was just such classic Patrice where he was always analyzing and breaking shit down that he didn't have to go through fucking 20 years. Like, dude, I got I have some friends you know, in this business and outside of this business who have been regular users, like fucking getting a bag of weed every fucking week since we've been like 15, right through getting married and having kids. And um, I mean, I guess it's all right if it doesn't get in the way of uh, your life. But, you know, I got a couple guys where it's just I don't know. 
At some point, like, I feel like a fucking... The thing with, like, booze is you can fool yourself by sitting there drinking, like, uh, you know, if you're sitting, like, in a parking lot, you know, shotgunning beers, it's pretty obvious that, you know, you're too old to be doing this. But you put on a sport coat and you had a whiskey bar, all of a sudden you feel like there's this sophistication to what you're doing. It's like, no, dude, you're getting loaded. You did this outside the Worcester Centrum before fucking Judas Priest concert. You're still doing it. Yeah, it's just you're putting scotch in a glass now instead of drinking fucking beer out of a can in the parking lot, you know. Yeah. You're trying to class it up a little. I never drank wine. I'm like, wine's for fucking pussies. Wine. Right. I'd see my friend, what the fuck are you drinking wine? No, it's good. It's nice and mellow. I'm like, fuck, what a fucking queer you are. Yeah. And now in like the last five years, I'm like, oh, I fuck, I've been to wine country twice. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm always I know. trying to try hate, this bottle. I hate that I like it. It's a horrific hangover, but I hate that I like it because to me – Wine was was something that rich people did, and then it was like the soccer mom thing. Like, there's so many soccer moms out there. Like, their running joke is is if it's after four o'clock or after five o'clock, you don't have a drinking problem if you sit down and have right. that glass of wine. But from what I've heard, you know, having kids and that type of shit, you need a couple of shots. You do at the end of the day, but you drink if you drink, you know, find some good wine. You won't get a hangover. I like uh, uh, Barolo. My uh, my girl's a big wine ch- wine connoisseur, and she knows she was buying like fifteen bottle, twenty dollar bottles, and I was getting headaches. I go fucking up at the forty a bottle, and then it's fine. You don't get headaches at all. So it's right. not. It doesn't have to be a hundred dollar bottle, but yeah, no, wine's wine's good. Now I love it. I'm like, this is fucking great. It's nice and mellow, and shit. Yeah. You have with a meal, and I get a little buzz, man. It's like I get a little buzz on like a glass and a half. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. It used to take me like f- fifteen beers. Yeah. And now you know what's weird? I'm drinking fucking I'm drinking fag beers now. I call them all the micro brews and stuff. And I was never in the night. I was like, "Fucking, what are you fag? Yeah, drinking what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> ale? It tastes like oh, just give me a fucking Coors Light. Give me a Bud. Right. Stop with this shit." And my 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 girl and her whole family drinks all those. And I used to make fun of them, like the fucking fag beers. Right. No, can I? Can I, I want a Coors Light. <laughs> I want a Bud Light. I'm not drinking a fucking fag beer. Right. I don't want a wheat ale summer. Fuck you. Right. And now um, that's Sherry all I drink. Wheat. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, I go to the microbrews just because I feel like I'm sticking it to the man. But then I'm like, who is the man? The guy who makes Budweiser? I love that guy. Like, I'm actually upset that Coors Light, for the first time ever, outsold Budweiser. So technically, Budweiser isn't the king of American beers right now. So yeah. I've been ordering more Budweiser, trying to help them get up and over the bar lately you know what i mean yeah to, but i'm to telling re- you man, retain those, their title those micro brews and all that other shit those wheat the ales and stuff they don't give you hangovers if you i mean if you have eight really? or ten they, yeah because it's more it's pure and I, I never bought that shit i'm like whatever and like i'm telling you know it's just better for you and it i, just, I thought the hangover just came from fucking you know you get dehydrated with all the alcohol well that could too but just you know especially the light beers that they're doing something to it to make it light it's not fucking natural this is such a classic fucking like barroom like none of us know. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. I know we about. don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's like the alcohol takes out. Uh, you know. Yeah, the light. It, they go, so oh, that's processed. You fucking drink this. <laughs> Some guy was screaming at me. What the fuck are you getting the light for? You know what's the hardest thing when you're dry to watch as those fucking Sam Adams commercials. Like they they have to be responsible for so many people losing their sobriety when they sit there and they're fucking snorting the hops like goddamn Tony Montana. They got one recently. <laughs> the guy literally jumps into the beer. He's like swimming in beer. Really? And like when you're not like when I'm drinking, I don't even notice those commercials. But when I'm not drinking and I fucking see that, like I actually get angry at the people at Sam Adams. Like would you like I, I don't know who who came up with that, but they're making it so fucking appealing. Right. That uh, I don't know. 
they, they, they annoy the shit out of me. But we're, we're running out of time here. We only got like uh, – I mean, I guess I can go as long as I want, but I don't want to fucking uh, – I, I, I go by the uh, the old showbiz adage of leaving them wanting more. Yeah, absolutely. But um, That's why my podcast is like 18 minutes, 23. Dude, I fucking love your podcast. <laughs> really? Oh, me and Paul Verzi, like we – Paul Verzi does a great – he does a great Florentine. Really? I'm telling you. It's, it's, uh, he got me. He's the one who told me that you were doing because I didn't know you were doing it. He's like, dude, he's like, you got to listen to Florentine's podcast. Oh, by the way, hype your podcast. What, uh, where can people get it's, it? It's on iTunes. It's Comedy Metal Midgets. It's called Jim Florentine Comedy Metal Comedy Midgets. Metal and Midgets. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's on my website, jimflorentine.com. Oh, I'm trying to think of how, how he, he does the impressions of, uh, what are you kidding me? It's garbage. <laughs> it's a joke. Fucking, fucking joke. Awful. It's fucking joke. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Some guy uh, tweeted me the other day. He goes, dude, you sound so miserable when you start your podcast off. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm fucking, yeah, I'm fucking sitting <laughs> in my office by myself and something fucking bothers me. I go, I'm going to do a podcast about it. I'm fucking, I'm, yeah, I'm angry. How do you think, I know you're a big Miami Dolphins fan from knowing you all these year, years. How do you think they're going to be? Uh... I think they could be pretty good. You know, they got new coaches in there. They got fucking old man Parcells out of there with his fucking ancient 1980s. Let's get some big bodies on the def- defensive offensive line. Right. to stuff to run. Yeah, meanwhile, it's been a passing league for the last 15 years, you fat asshole. <laughs> so thank God he's gone, a fucking overrated piece of shit. And, you know, they got a new guy in there. He used to run the Green Bay offense, and they got that Tannehill guy, a, a rookie quarterback, and they got a couple of veterans. I'm, I'm psyched. We'll see. I mean, look, yeah. they might go 10 and 6, 9 and good, 7 man. probably. But, you know, New England's a fucking monster. They're always going to be. Yeah, Belichick we- and Brady, man. Yeah, we got lucky going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Peyton was out, and, and and the Ravens beat us. They just fucking choked. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I know. And the Patriots in Miami's division, I got no problem with them because that's a well coached team, and they just fucking they go for the kill. They don't sit on leads right. when they're up twenty seven three. They're still throwing bombs. I love right. that. Well, I know what you're going through as a fan because um, I had to deal with fucking Dan Marino. Like I just was. He just was unbelievable. Like to me, that guy is the best quarterback I've. Like he's he's the guy that I saw go from the college to the pro level and make it look effortless. Peyton Manning's the, the a close second. Yeah, but um, you know everybody. All these guys fucking breaking Dan Marino's records now. It's because of all the rules changes that they have. Marino, I, I always joke that Marino would throw for fifty five hundred, six thousand yards. Dude, he had nobody. He had no running game. One of the one of the things that that uh, I always talk about on this podcast is the fact that people give him shit that you know he didn't win a Super Bowl, and it's like the, the guy had no fucking defense. You guys had like two white cornerbacks at one point. Oh yeah, we had the Blackwood brothers, Blackwood brothers, Kyle and yeah. Lyle. Yeah, or something. Lyle. Yeah, yeah. The brutal. Yeah, was, there was like nine white guys on defense and AJ two black guys. Dewey, Kuchenberg. Yeah. Yeah, Doug Betters and all this shit. You know what? It, Marino was telling me a story because I became friends with him because I worked on Inside the NFL with him. And he's like my ultimate idol. He's the fucking wow. greatest dude ever, Marino. He was telling they had this coordinator, defense coordinator, Tom Olivadotti, who was the biggest piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He'd fucking rush three old white guys. And they would just keep. That's why Ken O'Brien was a fucking genius against the, against Miami. Only against yeah. Miami, the guy was unbelievable. He'd rush three old white guys, and they just leave another guy in the block. So it was six against three. The quarterback had a you know all the time in the world. So, so anyway, he said before the San Francisco Dolphin uh, Super Bowl, the Forty Nine ers Dolphins, Oliver Dotti in the team meeting for the defense Saturday night before the Super Bowl told him, look. 
I don't know what we we can't stop this team. I don't know what to tell you. I got no plan. And Marino heard that. He goes, dude. He goes, just he, he took him aside. He goes, lie to him. He goes, fucking lie to him and just say we could we, yeah. we got a plan. He goes, I would do that to my offensive line all the time. You he coming back now? You could block Bruce Smith. No, I can't. You can. He's a fucking pussy. You can block him. <laughs> just fucking get him on his knees. Because I knew he couldn't, but I gave the guy encouragement. Yeah. He goes, and another thing, Dan Marino had he had no running backs. He like. Delvin Williams, Tony Nathan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sammy Smith. He had nobody. He had one guy. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gained 1,200 yards one season. He only had one running back rush for 1,000 yards in a 17-year career. Right. And then he also had he had Don Shula, who the game had passed him by. Yep. Um, and then who did he have? Jimmy Johnson. Then Jimmy Johnson. Man. Jimmy Johnson seemed like he wanted him out the door the second he got Jimmy there. Jimmy Johnson hated him. Right. Mario told me a great story real quick. He said um, – that's you know. No, no, we're gonna go long. If you, he if you, hated, if you fucking no damn Marina, we're going long. He hated long Jimmy here. Johnson. Jimmy Johnson yeah. was a dick to him, and it's a, there was no reason for it. He goes, I bought into his plan, but he. So anyway, he said that one time. He goes, you know, Coach Shula. Shula was a coach. He goes, I, I'll tell you. He goes, Shula had a dog named Zonka. A fucking bulldog named Zonka. That's a fucking coach. He goes, Jimmy Johnson had a little fucking Yorkie that he would bring on the on the team planes. He goes, we're, we're trying to play Buffalo in the championship game. And he's in he's in the first seat in the fucking plane petting Fluffy. He goes, how am I going to fucking win with a coach that brings a fucking six-pound Yorkie named Fluffy? And he's fucking got on his lap fucking petting the thing when Coach Shula's got Zonka. That's a coach. Uh. Did he ever talk about uh, getting annoyed with people talking about him not winning a Super Bowl? You know, he, um, not really. He just said, "Look, you know what? It's a team game. What am I going to do? You know, you try, and that's all you could do." But he, he, he said, "Everyone brings up the fake spike play." He goes, "You know, because yep. he works out of New York on CBS. He's always in New York, and he's like right. all these Jet fans come to Dan. You know, I, I hated you back then, but I, I do like. But that fake spike, you killed us. You know." And he's just, he goes, "I just tell him, get over it. Just get over it already. All right? It was freaking <laughs> 1991. Get over no, it." When he did that, what did that do to them? Did it knock them out it of the not, playoffs? They were, in, they were eight and five at the time the jets they were going they were on a roll they won like six straight and marino did the fake spike and they didn't win another game the rest of the year they went eight and eight and then they went one and 15 and actually they went two and 32 after that game what is with fucking new york and boston i don't know if anybody else does it they're always into like the the that old lady curse jinx like you didn't win another fucking game after that because you sucked Absolutely. That's why. Because you didn't fucking, you weren't ready to play. Not because he, like that whole curse of the babe horse shit. Yeah. It completely ignores that the ownership of the Red Sox were like, you know, they could have started the clan with some of their fucking ideas. And like the whole game changed once Jackie Robinson went in. They completely fucking ignored it. And then also, let's say that even if they weren't racist, like what the Yankees did going from. You know, I mean, they got Babe Ruth, uh, they bought him, but they, they got Lou Gehrig to Joe DiMaggio to Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. That's like, it's like going Jordan to Jordan to Jordan. One fucking franchise did that. And that was the real deal back then when you had to spot talent and they came up through your system. Yeah. And it's just like, you're never going to see that again. Like, especially now, like I'm, I'm not a big fan of these, like these pylon teams. I thought it was really weird that Miami got like the shit that they did. And it's like, why doesn't anybody shit on the Lakers? Like, they do just basically every fucking year what, what my team, the Celtics, did in 2008. We right. bought that title. Yeah. You know? But the Lakers do it every fucking year. And, and, and they're like, Kobe's got five championships. One more, uh, you know, he equals Jordan. It's like, 
Dude, Jordan had Luke Longley and fucking – my listeners are like, Bill, we've heard this a zillion times. Go fuck yourselves. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Luke Longley and fucking uh, Bill Cartwright at center. And the right. only the only big guy that I remember them signing was fucking Dennis Rodman. Yeah, Rodman they got from Detroit. Yeah, and they had him during his last three productive fucking years. But like uh, uh, Scotty Pippen, that was the, his guy. They had blonde-haired dude and B.J. fucking Armstrong. Give me a break. Yeah, well, you're right. Absolutely. They, um... I don't know. But also, in, in respect for my listeners, my hatred of the Lakers is so fucking blinding that it really kills any sort of rational thoughts. Having said that, I love Kobe. I love his mentality. I love when he, he doesn't win a championship and he doesn't just go water skiing right after he loses. He fucking goes right into the front office and is like, what the fuck? Yeah, Get me right. some guys. Like, I mean, that. I wish everybody would do that. No, absolutely. I hate when they fucking smile after they just lost a game. Oh, and they start hugging it out. Yeah, they start hugging and shit like that. Yeah. After, hey, how's it going? You just lost at the last second in a fucking field goal, a 47-yarder, and then you're smiling two seconds yeah, later. Yeah, somebody's patting him on the head. Do, like we, the- do we do that as comics if we have a bad set and fucking fuck? Do we, are we like, ah, yeah, 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 let's go have a fuck. Yeah, I'm going to go out and sell CDs. Hey, what's, that was fucking great. Yeah. I fucking stay in the back. I'm miserable. Absolutely not. Well, let me ask you this last thing. I got to have you on again, though. I would love okay. to, absolutely. If every guest could be as effortless, I'm telling you. I, I appreciate uh, that, you, that you, Dom Irera is another one, just fucking sat down here. We just we came into the house, shot the shit upstairs, came down here, turned on the mic, shot the shit, turned it off, walked upstairs. It just it was seamless. Um, but I was going to ask you, like, this new thing that hopefully it's just a fucking little blip. Actually, it already feels old to talk about. It's this new thing where people will film a comedian at a fucking comedy club. And then you put it up, and you have to apologize for a fucking joke. Is that the, is that the most insane fucking thing? It's fuck. It's 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 brutal. It is just fucking the big biggest bunch of fucking pussies. Well, you know, what I love is is every joke that they've done it. The crowd in the club is laughing. Yeah, and then they go. It sparked outrage. It's like where. Yeah, they're tattletalers. They're fucking little fucking, oh, I'm going to tell you did. I, I was saying, I go, basically, they're coming to our work and filming us at a moment that they think we're doing something wrong and then right. giving it to the boss, which is our audience or the public and going, hey, do something about this. Look what they did. Yeah. That's I, like, I, imagine, I said, imagine if we go into someone's work tomorrow and the guy's smoking pot at, at fucking lunchtime or he's looking at porn on his computer when he's supposed to do his fucking pay, whatever, you right. know, doing his fucking spreadsheet and we go and we film and go to the boss. Look, he was looking at porn. Look, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> but Fuck even you. then, even then, I don't think that's a fair comparison because trying out new material is is not smoking weed at work. He's you're doing what you're supposed to be yeah, doing, and some of the best bits come out of of doing something edgy. And there is a style. There's shock comedy. There's dark comedy. There's all that type of stuff. And for you to fucking sit there and act like you hired this guy to to, to look at people are here at my fucking opinions. Let me. I'm sorry. I, no, get all, I, was just, I said, imagine if Red Fox and, you know, with Sanford and Sundays, he was a filthy comic. I mean, disgusting on stage. Imagine if people were, fil- were recording him and going, hey, look, listen to this. He wouldn't have had a show. His show would have been off the air. I know. He's talking about eating some girl's asshole, you know, and when no one talked about that in the fucking early 70s. But I don't think people care about it would be if he uh, said something about the president or if he said like this, um, like that whole Dane Cook joke, the. He was basically letting people know that this edition of Batman isn't as good as the other one. That's the way I looked at it, too. That's, that's what I got out of yeah, it. Yeah, he just said it's a shitty movie. Yeah, and then so, people get out. Yeah, he's advocating. He isn't. He isn't. 
just I just stay out of the clubs. I do you know? Say, you know the uh, wrestling? The WWE had to apologize. I saw what did they? Because they made a joke about what? It was such a fucking great joke. This manager is is talking shit to the crowd about you know the the wrestler that he's managing, and he's going you know so and so whatever the guy's name is. He goes he's like Kobe Bryant in a Colorado hotel room, unstoppable. Right? It was right. and he yeah, delivered it big. It's right. funny. Yeah, yeah. And he not only did he have to apologize, he had to apologize. To somebody, a specific person who wasn't Kobe or the girl. Right. I was Mike something or other. I, I remember, you know, reading and passing. But it's like it's getting to the point of like it's sort of a, like uh, it's ridiculous. But I, I look at it like it kind of scares me because it seems like uh, if if allowed, it's the beginning of like you're going to like start censoring people. They, they They say in the beginning, don't film the comedians. And that's another thing too. None of these comics uploaded that shit to try to uh, reach anybody else other than who the fuck they were performing to. You know, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, it, someone made a good point. My friend was saying, "He goes, you know what? I mean, basically, what they're doing is they're it's illegal. They're illegally recording you because right. you have to. In most states, you have to have permission to record somebody. So they're basically doing is is doing is illegal by secretly tape recording us, right?" You know, comedy clubs need to what they have to do is they have to fucking leave everybody's phones and cell phones at the fucking at the bar before they walk in the room. Oh, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that because they want to turn over the crowd quicker. They don't give a fuck. I know. It's too bad. Someone that considered considers it art should do that. Go, look, you're leaving your fucking phones and any records. Put them here. Put them. In but a I, I do notice, though, the only people that they ask to apologize are people who have like hit TV shows. You know what well, I mean? That's true. Absolutely. So, so I think uh, I think I'm safe. I don't know about you. You, I don't, have to- you know, it's VH1 Classic. It's like a basic cable. It's only in. Four, <laughs> it's like the NFL Network. We're only in forty percent of homes. Dude, you know what? I actually think I think that they weigh that in, into consideration. Those groups where they sit there and they go, "Okay, how big is Jim Florentine?" How big is Bill? How big is oh, about this guy? Oh, this guy's got like you know whatever. Like, well, remember when Corolla made fun of like transgender people or whatever he goes i don't know what the hell they are whatever his joke was he did it on his podcast and they tried to go right. after him they go what are they going to take away his podcast it's his own podcast right he's got like dot coms you know like fucking advertise or whatever they're not he doesn't have oh so, and he, so he didn't they apologize do, no he didn't apologize because they couldn't do anything that's perfect he's got his own network what is he what are they going to do they tried that's perfect he didn't say one word fuck you that's perfect i know see that's how i look at it see that's, that's my thing why 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 do you want to go to the next level where all of a sudden you have to start apologizing for trying out material. You know, I get, this is the deal. If I was sick of doing the road, I would, I, I would be uh, more apt to want to go that, that other road. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this, is, this is supposed to be about you. I'm sitting here fucking no, no, psych- no, psychoanalyzing. No, it is. It's about comics. No, I, I hate it. It's, it's the worst thing that can happen to comedy. It's the yeah, worst it, thing because people really aren't going to want to take chances. Well, I, I just look at it. Look, if you there, they, there is the style of comedy that those people who get offended are looking for exists out there. Okay, you didn't go to that show, you know. You didn't have to click on it. You didn't have to listen to it. You chose to listen to the fucking thing. And the guy who said it didn't choose to film it and upload it. Somebody else did. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking I, I, in circles here. My mom is seventy four years old. She's super religious. Right. She just watches like Touched by an Angel all day. <laughs> She's been to two of my shows in 20 years. She's been to two of my comedy shows. Right. So I wanted to invite her like six months ago. Mom, come to us. She goes, no, I don't like the words that come out of your mouth. You're going to make me uncomfortable. I go, look, I'm going to be clean tonight because I was working on a clean set. Right. And you know what she said? 
She goes, yeah, but I don't know about the other acts on the show. I don't know what they're going to say, so I'm going to stay home. That's f- How does a 74-year-old woman get it, but yeah. nobody else does? I don't know what the other acts are going to say, so I'm going to stay home. Right. It makes that choice. She didn't want to go into that situation. But like, ha- had she gone down there, she knows what she's getting herself into. Exactly. Then she goes, well, I made that choice. Choice the to go down there. Yeah. filthy, even though my son wasn't, but I went to a show. How does she get it? Right. Does that bother you that she's only come out twice? No, no, not at all. Because I feel uncomfortable with her in the audience. <laughs> I said well, penis how, on how, TV how, one time. I did George Lopez. I did stand up on it. I said penis in my act. And she's like, how, I, I can't believe you embarrassed the family. You have nieces. What They saw that. What do you? I go, Mom, if I start th- r- thinking about my fucking 10 year old niece when I'm writing jokes, my career's over. Now, how did you with, with the mom as religious as that? We do. Did you rebel against uh, it? Uh, brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Yeah. How bad did she make you dress in like super well, tight? Yeah, all the boy, school? all that stuff. And, you know, sign me up for that. Catholic schools my whole life, you know, put in them from. Oh, my know, God. Oh, yeah. From, you know, uh, kindergarten. Basically. Now, at what point would, would do, were you uh, deciding that this wasn't the road for you? Was it what the priests were saying or or like what? Well, you, you, probably after like the third because all my friends were in public school and I wanted to hang out with them. Right. And I was hanging, you know, and I just hated it right off the bat. And they were like, no, it's a better education. I'm like, how? How is it? I got a fucking priest teaching me math. He doesn't know about <laughs> fucking math. A nun is teaching me fucking English. You know, yeah, that's a better education. Right. You know, even in high school, my fucking. So wait, you, you went all the way through to senior all, year. Yeah, through senior year. Wow. Yeah. I got thrown out of uh, two sc- two schools for being out of control. And what was out of what was out, what was out of control? Well, I, like they had these they they were bragging, you know, they make the announcements in the morning. Oh, you know, whatever, you know, so you have to say a prayer and all the shit. So they said they, oh, we just bought these wrestling mats. We spent a lot of money on them for a gym class. So please take care of them. So, fucking my next gym class later that day, I fucking cut them up with razor blades. <laughs> it was like fucking three thousand dollars worth of wrestling mats, and I cut the fucking stage curtains too. Why? I don't know. Just because they said take care of them. Because it just no. annoyed. <laughs> yeah, really take care of them. Be, you know, okay, fine. I'm going to cut them up with razor blades. And how did you get caught? Well, they, they, they didn't know it was me. They knew it was from a, from our class because we were like the last class of the day, like eighth period or whatever. So they knew it was somebody in our class, and it was only me and two other fucking derelicts in the class. So they narrowed it down to us three, and they had us in the office every day. We know you did it. They'd punch me in the face, smack me, pull my hair. Stare at the wall really? for eight hours. Physical? Yeah, and I'm like, okay, fine. I would stare at the wall. I wouldn't admit it. I had to fucking swear on a Bible. My mom took me to a, our local priest, and she goes, I want you to swear on a Bible. You didn't do this. And I swear on a Bible. I go, no, I didn't do it. Yeah, which is hilarious if you don't believe in this shit. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll do that. No, I'll fucking be yeah, put me on. <laughs> give me a whole me, stack of them. Yeah, whatever book. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Put, put Slash's book. I'll swear on that, too. <laughs> So did you start partying and that stuff? Uh, like- uh, you started getting the weed and, and the drinking, probably like 14 or 15. I was good in sports, like baseball. I was on um, the freshman team. I was playing on uh, the soft. I played on the, uh, the varsity team as a freshman. But then like sophomore year, I started getting into the friggin' You drinking. played varsity as a freshman? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was a lefty pitcher. I was really good at some point. I was a good hitter, too. I played first base. But then I just started drinking and getting into smoking pot and cigarettes. Right. Sophomore year, and I would, that was it. So did you, did your mom? Did she? Know My dad you, was pissed. Did your mom know you were doing any of that stuff? Not really, because I had older brothers. They were kind of like, you know, that, that's why I started Cover getting the metal. You. They would bring them to concerts at fourteen. I saw fucking ACDC with Bon Scott as no, a twelve-year-old kid. Fuck you! Yeah. What's that? The Power Age tour? No, it was uh, it was Highway to Hell. 
Jesus Christ. I saw him open for Ted Nugent at Madison Square Garden, and I saw him uh, uh, ACDC, and I forget who else. I think it was Def Leppard, maybe, with Whip on, like, two times before he died. Because my brothers would bring me. I was 12, and they were, like, 18. And, like, oh, we want to bring him. So I saw all these shows. Holy shit. insane. So you would go from Catholic school to then going down to one of those goddamn shows at 12. Yeah. Partying with your older brothers? Yeah, they would get me high. Absolutely, yeah. Dude, you had a fucking awesome childhood. No, it was great. I mean, I was, I was angry because <laughs> I was fucking stuck in Catholic school and shit like that. But yeah, I, uh, but no, it was great. Absolutely, man. My older brothers would bring home my albums. Like, oh, look, 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 this Black Sabbath and his Ted Nugent and Aerosmith. I'm like, oh, it's just fucking great. That's awesome. My younger brothers got that out of me. I was second oldest, so they, uh, you know, I didn't know shit. Like, my first album was uh, Mitch Miller, Sing Along with Mitch and the Gang. Okay, right, You shouldn't yeah. even know who they are. They literally, no, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, they're like polka. Yeah. Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Like, that yeah. type of shit. And then I got Aerosmith's Greatest Hits was my first foray into, like, fucking real music. But my first concert was uh, uh, Doc and Judas Priest. Nice. No. Oh, yeah. No. What? Yeah, that's right. I, was, I thought it was Loudness. It was Doc and Judas Priest. Loudness opened up for ACDC on the Who Made Who tour, that Japanese heavy metal band. Um, They're still around. Are they really? Yeah, we were going to have the guitar player play on our show, but he, had a can- he couldn't get a visa. Have you gone out to go see any, any of uh, bands from... Like th- that aren't like huge, like the Metallicas, the ACDCs that are still playing arenas. Like I'll go out to Vegas every once in a while uh, doing a gig out there and I'll see like Slaughter's playing with like fucking Warren, a couple other guys. Have you gone out to any of those shows? I just saw Sebastian Bach last night at Nokia. Oh, you did? There. Yeah, yeah. I, is, how was it? It was great, man. Yeah. He still, he still can sing. He's got a good band behind him and stuff. So yeah, I always go see shows. Now, is he going to get together uh, with Skid Row? He wants to. There's one guy in a band that doesn't want to do it. The only other guy I can remember, Rob Afuso was yeah, the drummer. Yeah, he was the drummer, yeah. Rachel Bolin is the and bass player. Snake something or Snake Sabo, guitar player. So who doesn't want to do it? I think Rachel, the bass player, he, he he hates Sebastian so much that he won't do it. And they got offers of like 100 grand to do festivals overseas. They could do So festi- what, what kind of money does that dude have, Rachel? I don't know. I get, he gets to publish it on those first couple records, you know, Youth Gone Wild, I Remember You. Every but time. I would think that that would be trickling down now. The kids are just down, like... It is, but they still play it at the sports stadiums and shit like that. I guess he's got money coming in. We were watching me and my buddy Eddie last night every time. Because Sebastian filmed it for a TV show last night or something. So every time he played a uh, Skid Row song, we're like, oh, Rachel can buy another house. (laughs) Because he has to pay for that. It goes to him. Anytime Sebastian does anything on TV or puts a DVD out of those songs. Because Sebastian wrote those songs. Rachel did? Rachel and Snake wrote those songs. I love that his name is Rachel. Yeah, I know. Why is it Rachel? I don't know. Rachel Bolin. I'm not is sure. Is he from Europe or something? No, he's Jersey. <laughs> Jersey white trash like me. All right. What do we got here? We're an hour and 20 minutes in, and it just keeps getting more interesting. We got to do a part two at some point. We'll when, do it. Yeah, when, next when, time in L.A. Yeah, when are you going to come out? I come out back out in October. I'll be back out. I was thinking the last time I think I saw you in L.A., I ran into you at the, the forum for that ACDC concert. Remember? One of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we caught it early, and Brian's fucking voice sounded great. <sighs> fucking killer. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. Jim Florentine, your website is? JimFlorentine.com on your, Twitter, Mr. Jim Florentine, and uh, my podcast, Comedy Metal Midgets, on iTunes. And when can we see uh, the next editions of? Uh, New season of that metal show starts August 11th. On VH1 Classic? VH1 Classic, yeah. Okay, August 11th. It's coming up. All right, Jim, thank you so much for coming by the podcast. Thanks, Bill. All right. Um, Amazon.com, you guys know the deal. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, not saying you got to. 
Go to BillBird.com, click on the podcast page, and click on the banner ad on the right-hand side, the Amazon banner ad on the right-hand side. You go to Amazon, go ahead and buy something. It doesn't cost you any extra money. They kick me a percentage, 10% of that. I give to the Wounded Warriors Project. You help support my podcast and uh, the troops who made an unbelievable sacrifice for us. All right? And Gamefly.com. Wouldn't you love to have 8,000 video games at your fingertips? Sure we all would. Um, all the new hits mailed to your home. So if you're sick of paying $65 for the newest games that you or your kids use for a week, and then give, then give Gamefly a shot. Gamefly is offering my listeners a free two-disc 15-day trial, $23 value. Go to www.gamefly.com or the Gamefly banner on, the, on my podcast page of the website to redeem the offer. There you go. Toyota, you know, we all agree that reducing emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, yet they make up less than 10% of all new vehicles today. That's because right now they cost more. They're too expensive, just like all new technology. Consumers worry about range and whether or not they'll be able to find a charging station. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture the batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV electric vehicle could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, hey, let's go places.